0: It's time to get your geek on. It's Two Geeks TV. With your hosts, Victor and Sean.
1: Keep on geeking on.
0: My name is Larry Ganem. I'm from DC Entertainment. Um, We are gonna take the uh, the next 45, 50 minutes uh, to talk with uh, actually two very special gentlemen. I'm gonna bring them out now. They're gonna tell some stories and then we're gonna have some fun. So please, if you would, welcome Brian Azzarello and Frank Miller. So they like you.
2: <laughs> they don't mean it.
0: <laughs> well, we've got just free reign to talk about, uh, talk about whatever we want. Um, we talked a lot about Dark Knight yesterday. We can touch on that again if you want, but we're gonna, you know, we have free reign to talk about anything and everything, okay? So you steer me away from anything that, uh, anything you don't want to talk about, but I thought we'd start by, um, you know, Talking about what uh, what made you what made you get into this crazy business? What, who were your you know your your early influences, and uh, what made you you know what gave you the bug to be a a comic book storyteller? Um, <laughs> well,
2: I I, uh, I had to move to New York and get into comic books because I couldn't hold down any other kind of job. I uh, um, I'd been fired by my own father as a bus driver. Um, and um, as a janitor, and uh, all I really wanted to do was draw comic books. And so, when I was 19 years old, I, I uh, moved to the city and, and found a place to live and started pounding the pavement and, and looking for work. I was lucky, it was a good time to break in um, because there weren't many people wanting to get in, and, and uh, work was available. It, they didn't pay much at the time, but work was available, and it was enough to keep me going.
0: Well, who, um, when you were when you were growing up, being you know reading comics, who were the people you uh, who were the artists you gravitated towards? Well, when I was
2: growing up, when I was when I was, when I was a kid, by far and away, the two artists who had the most overwhelming influence on me were Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. Um, their Marvel comics were my childhood. Um, as I got older and I saw more of more of the history of comics, um, you know, and, and you know, and, and became more aware of artists like Joe Kubert. Believe me, the better you get as an artist, the more you appreciate Joe Kubert. Um, and then I was able to see, well, the the reprints that um, came out of Will Eisner's Spirit, which transformed my whole way of approaching comics. But um, then Forbidden Planet opened in New York. This was after I became a professional. And all of a sudden, the whole world of comics opened up. Not just John Giraud, Mobius, who everybody's heard of, but Hugo Pratt, and, and uh, just dozens of other artists. So I became just exposed to a, a vast wealth of, of uh, comic book art.
0: Is there, is there any, anybody out there you know, either from, from back then or, or even today who you think is uh well you just said the, the more the 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 more you do comics the, the more you appreciate Joe Kubert. Is yeah. there anybody out there who would you say out there is uh is the most underappreciated? Underappreciated? No. Boy, that is a really tough one. Brian, crush. you can chime in on that one if yeah, you want. Please
2: jump in if you got anything on your mind, Brian. Man,
3: um I, I I work with
0: him. I think Eduardo
3: Rizzo is probably one yeah. of the greatest storytellers alive. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, live. Absolutely. You know? Um, there's so. I mean, the thing is now there's so many yeah. great That's artists. That's why you I know? was
2: stumping. The, yeah, the list this is so damn long. Um, just we happen to be
3: working with a couple of good ones right now too. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the but the the, the uh, um one of the points that was that was uh, made by somebody um, a long time ago, it's true of comics, is thats is that a lot of people don't appreciate just how um, complex a, a, a number of skills you have to develop just to, to become a passable comic artist. You've got to be able to tell a story, you've got to be able to draw anything and any situation and, and uh, you've got to make six images uh, composed together on a on a single page, it's very complex.
0: Well, how did you how did you learn that? Um, there weren't uh, there weren't comic book schools.
2: <laughs> no, there were there. Well, well, Joe Hubert had already started his school, oh, but but I but I, um, I I didn't go to it. Um, no, I I mostly I've got to say I I went. I learned the most from going to Neil Adams continuity. Um, Studio where, we, where he, he uh, it was a halfway house for comic book artists where 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 uh, we were where we were given advertising work to tide us over because the publishers paid so little that the only way to finance a comic book career was to do advertising work on the side and but Neil was not only doing that providing that for comic book artists but he would also spend endless amounts of time with this dumb kid from Vermont with these with lousy drawings, and he would just tell me exactly how terrible I was, <laughs> and he would tell me in no uncertain terms how I had no chance whatsoever of, of getting a single job. Then I kept coming back, and, and, and he picked up the phone and got me my first job.
0: <laughs> well, which was your first job? What was your first it was job? It
2: three-page job for Twilight Zone magazine. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was a. <clears throat> I won't name the story. It's you can find it yourself. I don't think you'll be able to. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty awful.
0: <laughs> well, then, what was your first? Uh, what was your first uh, comic job for any of the uh, any of the the comics publishers? I, I did
2: I did some work for Weird War Tales at DC Comics. Um, and and. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. Was that applause? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, All right, right there. Thank you. <laughs> and and, and uh, um, you know, bounced around a bit and 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 got offered this and that, but I was doing fill-in issues for like Marvel Two in One and 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 other things, and uh, then I <coughs> uh, got a a gig filling in. For the, for the artist on um, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. I remember those issues. A, a, Anybody remember a two those issue. issues? Um, and it guest-starred this Daredevil character. Um, and uh, on the strength of that, when, when Gene Cohen finally threw up his hands, and he'd already done a billion issues of Daredevil <laughs> and just decided enough was enough. Um, they, on the strength of that, I, I, I after much lobbying, got the job.
0: Have you uh, did you talk to Gene Colan after after that? Because up until then, you know, Gene Colan had, like you said, he had done a, a lot of issues on that. <laughs> and he was the he was the guy for Daredevil. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of usurped that title. Yeah. Did mm-hmm. uh, did you and Gene ever ever talk about uh, you know uh, drawing Daredevil? I mean, did you ever say uh, you know sorry for taking the, the Daredevil mantle from you?
2: Well, no, he he didn't want it. Um, Really? <laughs> well he'd done it forever. I mean but but I, I never got to know Gene well and, and we never had a lengthy conversation. But no, make no mistake, I didn't take his job. He quit. He was yeah. he was over actually Believe you know me, what? they wouldn't have given me the job otherwise.
0: He went to do he went to do Batman at that point. He he yeah. moved over he moved across the street and started doing Batman. Yeah. So now that first issue with Daredevil you did, and yeah. I, I I remember this, the credit box. Um, you know, said you know with uh, Jim Shooter and Roger McKenzie. Yeah. You know, and they, they put your name at the at the end because yeah. all these people, the the way they credited it. Does anybody remember that issue? The, uh, the the first issue of Daredevil with Frank. They said all these people really think that the lanky Frank Miller is going to be something. You know, lanky they wanna, Frank? What, they welcome. <laughs> I
2: knew you'd catch that one, Brian. <laughs>
0: They were welcoming you aboard, and, they, and in like, parentheses, they said, we really think he's gonna be something. That
2: was Roger, Roger McKenzie. He, he, um, he was, he, was um, he wanted to um, turn over a new page with the book, with my entry to it. Um, Daredevil had been turned into a pretty happy-go-lucky um, book over the years, and uh, he knew I wanted to bring a pretty spooky look to it, and, and uh, I, had a determination that it would go from being a superhero comic in the traditional sense to a a, a crime comic where the lead guy happened to wear tights. Um, and, and so he gave me as much as as big and as splashy a Marvel introduction as he could.
0: Yeah, I mean that was I, I had never seen anything like that in a in a credit box yeah. before, and so I was going to ask, what, was it just Roger who who thought you were, was were great, or was yeah. it uh, you know did?
2: Oh no, Jim Shooter. I have to mention Jim Shooter. Not only was the was the I mean, he was the one who made the decision to get me the job, but he taught me an enormous amount about storytelling, and he and he. Uh, um, he threw more and more work at me and more and more challenges to the point where I had to start turning things away or or I I would be just part of the machinery so much. I'd be cranking things out faster than I should. But Jim was backing me all the way. Um, A lot of people say bad things about him, but he's done so many good good things.
0: So Jim is, uh, you you credit Jim with elevating your career to the- Absolutely. uh, when we do the, uh, the, we do a, a My Secret Origin panel. We call it the My Secret Origin panel. So we we get professionals to talk about you know how they broke into comics. And mm-hmm. there's there's always three parts to it. How did you get the itch to be in the comic book industry? Um, who was the, uh, who was the person who uh, you know who really opened the door for you? If uh, if you were to say if you were to name that person, you think it would be uh, you think it would be Jim? Or would person who opened the
2: door would be Neil Adams. Yeah, Neil. Yeah, without
0: question. Well, so you were on Daredevil for a while. Mm -hmm. When did you decide, or did you decide you wanted to write it, or did uh, did they say, "Hey, uh, want us to take a crack at uh, writing it"?
2: No, I I lobbied, I argued, I I I didn't threaten any any property damage whatsoever. (laughs) But I really wanted the job, Um, and and uh, I was very lucky to get it.
0: Um, So were you nervous when you were writing and drawing it? Oh yeah. Oh, but, yeah. the, but the first issue out of the box, right? Was the, it was the Electra issue. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I'd, been, I'd been waiting to introduce Electra for a long time. and uh, Well, I did, what, I did what any honest craftsman would do. I stole from the best. Um, <laughs> Will Eisner had done an unforgettable uh, two-part spirit story called Sans Serif. Oh, yeah. And I stole the origin and turned it into Electra.
0: Did you say stole, or would would you say you uh, an homage to, uh, to to Will?
2: Yeah, but I've been homage to death, so I say stole. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did you did, you've had you had, had conversations with uh, with Will in uh, in mm-hmm. later years? Does, yes. would, you, did you make him aware of that? Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. Will Will and I um, we even you know did an interview book together, um, and and uh, when I showed him it, he was just very amused and like he was by so many things, and uh, it was, it was a, it, it's hard to describe, I can't describe in one session how wonderful a man Will was to, to know through all of this. It, it just, he, uh, it was const- he, was a, he was a natural born teacher, a total raconteur, and the harshest critic you could ever ask for.
0: So he wasn't just a great, uh, great artist, great storyteller, he was a, uh, Personally, likable and uh, admirable person. An
2: unforgettable man. Yeah.
0: yeah? Um, I don't know. If you were to pick your, uh, y- you know, your your top five uh, comics creators, um, you figured Eisner's in there. Right. Who, who would you fill out the uh, the list with? I mean, the, the people that uh, you know the people that you love in this industry or who have affected okay. you uh, um, the the strongest. Oh. Well, yeah, let, let, let's 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 deal with the elephant in the room, yeah. Brian would be there, right? <laughs> Brian Balland.
2: <laughs> as far as uh, <clears throat> artists go, the, the, uh, the ones that do leap to mind are, you know, Jack Kirby. Um, I learned an awful lot about dynamic figure drawing from Gil Kane. Um, <clears throat> and the, the uh, but when it comes to storytelling, and there are so many. I mean, it, there was one point where I was trying to, to do entire sequences paced like Bernard Krigstein's work from EC, which was this very staccato movie-like approach that was, that, was, that was remarkable, but so painstaking, and so attempting to be a movie, it hurt. Um, <clears throat> but um, as I mentioned, when Forbidden Planet opened, my horizons just, mm-hmm. just uh, Opened wide, and now the list could, could take us all night, all day and night.
0: Well, now you talk about Forbidden Planet opening another oh, yeah. another world. Um, there's a, there's another generation of, uh, of comic <coughs> creators who uh, who you know credit Forbidden Planet, but then they also credit that uh, that manga store in uh, in Rockefeller Center, sure. um, Konopkia. Yeah. Um, th- when did you discover uh, you know Asian comics?
2: Well, I discovered um, Asian comics through, through um, a friend's uh, a friend's father had, had been to Japan and brought back this really fat little comic book. Looked kind of like a small phone book. And uh, once I figured out they had to read it backwards, I, I was, I was <laughs> enchanted by the artwork. In fact, beyond enchanted, I was captivated and decided to imitated as best I could. Uh, I couldn't read a word of it, I couldn't read the title, but I decided I'd do a samurai comic, and it would look as much like that as possible. Um, And so, Kozori Okami, or Lone Wolf and Cub, had already inspired my ronin. Um, And and so, the more I studied that, that, the more I was was able to learn um, a much fresher approach to storytelling than we had used in a long time because of, because of the, the Japanese kept the comics in black and white and on really crappy paper and all of that, they, they were able to um, indulge the page count to an insane degree in a way American comics can't because we're all in color and now we're on slicker and slicker paper. So we've made them more precious and we've lost some of the energy along the way. Um, one of the many things I'd like to do with comics in the future is try to reintroduce some of that vigor and some of that, some of that um, almost bloodthirsty quality that you can get in, in with cheaper production values.
0: Well, oh, that's interesting. Well, now that that leads us good into a uh, into a, the sort of a larger context. Um, you look at the comics industry today. I mean, you've uh, you know you've studied the art form, you've 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 been in it a long time. Um, where would you like to see it go? Everywhere. What do you mean by everywhere? I
2: mean, I'm. I mean, I don't want to be the one to say. I know the places that I immediately would like to take it. Um, but but I I I want it there to be. I want this to be the Tower of Babel. Um, Why isn't there a really good Western out there? Because they won't buy it.
0: Okay, we got one. He would have
2: two. Well, I was told they wouldn't buy crime comics either. They do buy crime comics. They didn't. Well, they do now. Yeah.
3: (laughs) But Westerns, they don't buy anymore. Make a Western, Frank. Yeah, I dare you. Make a Western.
0: I hate Brian. <laughs> well, let's uh, do. you have a Western in you? Do you have a Western story in you? I could. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's what you say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else do you do? You wish was out there in comedy, or. Think about uh, the, the readership of comics, or the the, the medium itself, or or uh, you know how they're how they're sold, or how they're promoted, or I mean, what do you?
2: I, I think the way comics for? are sold and promoted is, as far as I can tell, excellent. The the uh, the um, what I'm more, but it, then, then that's not my department. Um, but as far as what's being created. Um, the, the idea is I don't want to be the only voice in the room. I've mentioned a bunch of stuff that I'd like to do, but um, it's mainly a matter of more and more people of talent to, to, to be attracted to, the, to work in comics and then to see what they're going to do. Um, and, and luckily we've had um, publishers since the undergrounds and then on to publishers like Fantagraphics and others who've brought us extraordinary work that, that, that um, we would not otherwise have seen. And thanks to the direct market, it, it doesn't have to sell in the, you know, to everybody in order to make profit. So I think all the avenues are there. and It's just a matter of, of uh, I think more than anything, the burden is on the artists and the publishers to step up to the plate and deliver the goods, and hopefully the readership to be open to stuff that doesn't involve spandex. (laughs) Yeah, it's never been more diverse than it is now,
0: and it just keeps getting more diverse, too. Absolutely. Especially when you consider international comics, uh, the the international publishers. Oh, yeah.
3: Well, when we were in Paris, we went to the um, Album, which is a comic store there, and, you know, we loaded up on stuff that's not even a, you know, it'll
0: never be here, unfortunately. You know, there's a lot of really great stuff being done in France. Well, example. it'll never be here, so it's, it's uh, in, in terms of the genre, in terms of uh, the format, in terms of the subject matter? In terms of translated, you okay. know. But, I mean, you know, they're so different, uh, but, I mean, you know, are they, are they so different because they're, you know, it's not spandex?
3: Well, yeah, they like westerns.
2: <laughs> I like westerns. You know, they they, like, they really like westerns. They do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
3: and they like they like crime comics too. Yeah. You know, they don't. Well, uh, spandex is just a small you know niche over there. Yeah. And most of the stuff, I mean, it it, it it all gets translated, but yeah. Um,
0: well, we, we don't, don't go
3: fight. for. I mean, there's romance
2: comics. There's like there's historical fiction. Yeah, you mentioned thinking. romance comics. Now, romance comics used to be the number one kind of comic books in the United States. There was there was a romance period, there was a horror period, and then uh, the superheroes took over. Losing romance, we lost an entire readership that we could have, and an entire kind of stories that we could be writing, and also artists who who artists like John Romita Sr. Cut their teeth on romance comics. It Frank Frazetta. Be... Frank Frazetta, yeah, <laughs> better example. Geez, but but the but the uh, but that 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 could again would attract more and more talent on the writing and the drawing side.
0: Well, but the romance comics, I mean, they they lasted for you know for uh, a couple of decades, oh, and yeah. then they um, they died. Um, because of the rise of romance novels. That's, that's my understanding of it. I mean, the, it, it's not like the publishers just decided we don't want to do romance comics <coughs> anymore.
2: Well, then, then how come so many comic books are based on? Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, work, it works both ways. Usually, uh, I mean, a rising tide raises all ships. And, and that's not how I understand market dynamics to work. Um, if anything, the more visual medium should usually prevail.
0: I, I would normally agree. Um, my understanding is that uh, the the women who were buying romance comics um, sort of switched over to the novels because there's there's more sort of bang for the buck and it had mm. the uh, um, they could be the, racier more illusion of legitimacy um, you know instead of reading a comic I'm reading a, I'm reading a novel
2: yeah I'm, I'm, and we've seen the cover paintings we know that Brian's right
0: yeah
2: it could be a lot racier yeah be, be a, um, I don't know, there's, there's room for everything though. The Comics Code Authority and romance don't go hand in hand. The, that's another point. The Comics Code Authority um, was really—they uh, they were unneeded leg braces on the on the comic on the comic book art. Yeah. Well, it's, it's
3: it's amazing we survived. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- talk about that that era. I mean, uh, in your mind, I've, and uh, I think.
2: Well, I, we weren't we weren't born yet.
0: <laughs> well. Um, well, your understanding of that yeah. era is, is what I meant. I mean, uh, uh, to your mind, and I think most people would agree, is uh, obviously that, that Comics Code period, the whole, you know, the Wortham years and, and after, obviously slowed the evolution of comics as an art form.
2: Yeah, and also, but also, there's, it, it also showed something else. A, a pop psychologist of no great note wrote a really, really badly written book called Seduction of the Innocent, where he put forth this silly notion that reading, com- crime, uh, reading crime comics would, would uh, turn people into rapists and burglars and murderers. Now, it wasn't based on anything. I read the book. I'm one of the few people who's actually read the damn thing. <laughs> And it's, it's the worst written piece of garbage you're ever going to come across. But all, it, all it's ever taken to scare comic, the comic book industry in submission is a couple of angry letters. And, and, uh, and the reaction of the comics industry to this stupid book and to some comic book burnings that took place was to, was to you know, find a, basically find a shell to hide under. And the main thing, I mean, the wonderful thing with the direct market and with a new generation of artists coming in and writers, um, we crawled out from under that shell. And it's, it's, uh, it's just a matter of continuing to do so. I think we're on our way.
0: Well, so do you think, uh, well, how long do you think it took for the, the comics industry to, to recover from, from that period, you know, on a creatively? 50 years. 50 years? Mm-hmm. Set us back that long? That yeah. long? Um, do you think uh, do you think the, the the fetters are off at this point and we're, we're Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I can't say I, yeah yeah they yeah, are <laughs> off.
2: now 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 you can blame us
0: <laughs> well you know let's let's talk about blaming you I mean is there um, <laughs> is bring it on man <laughs> no is there looking back now is there anything that uh, you know that that you've done, um, your that you've influenced on the uh, the industry that you know maybe you regret?
3: Hmm. When you tore up Wizard magazine. Hmm. <laughs>
2: Did I regret?
0: Yes. Yeah, there, uh, there. Oh, you know. I. I wish. I, I wish I hadn't done that because it created this. Or uh, I wish I hadn't done that because now I'm sick of seeing it. And uh, or well, that was just. Well, um, I I guess I
2: wish I hadn't somehow convinced people that making the heroes all messed up inside and angry all the time was the only way to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but then, Dark Knight Two was a. Reaction to that
2: yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, that 's what uh dark uh, Knight 2 was meant to be a celebration of all that is spandex and and, and to show off how cool the the powers were <coughs> and everything and, and, and even Batman smiles in it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so you you opened it, you opened up your um, you started playing with more toys from yeah. from the sandbox, mm-hmm. you brought in sure. uh, you know the the innocent characters like you know Captain Marvel and yeah. and, uh, and things like that, and so it was more of a celebration of the the hero at that point.
2: A celebration, also a celebration of the superhero. And and just trying to find a way to approach them that that might freshen them up a little bit. I, I, and I so I studied each one. Where I felt I achieved some success was with with uh, like the, with the Atom, with just making the symbol the equation change a little bit so instead of having a tiny little figure jump all over the page, I just made normal objects get really big around him. And so he would stay of heroic stature, it's just, this would be 30 feet tall. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that gave it, a, you know, there was a surreal visual to be had there. I didn't get to explore it much in Dark Knight, that's, that's you know, for a future project. But if you see the old 1957 movie, The Incredible Shrinking Man, You'll see what I was talking about. That, uh, talking about in that they used props to, to, um, to make ordinary objects gigantic, and the heroic combat at the end is is uh, is between a man and a spider that looks like it's thirty feet wide, and all he's holding is a sewing needle to defend himself, and it's one of the most chilling things scenes you'll ever see. So all these characters are full of magic. You've got a guy, you know, you got Green Lantern, who's, he's got Aladdin's lamp. Um, and when I, when I revisited Flash in Dark Knight, my solution was instead of, I mean, I wasn't going to be able to draw a guy running like Carmen Argentino did. Nobody can. Nobody can draw that many figures in a row that fast. But what, so I, I just figured the Flash is already there. And you don't see him move that much. LAUGHTER But all of the stuff can be revisited and reinvented. It's, it's wonderful material.
0: Okay, then. So, Dark Knight showed us the dark side of, uh, of superheroes. Started the whole sort of darker period uh, where everybody was examining the, the darkness, the shadows of, uh, of the heroes. Dark Knight 2 was, uh, um, was a reaction to that, bringing back the, the super to superheroes. So how would you, in that trilogy, then how would you, uh, how would, you, where would you say Dark Knight Three fits in? What's the, uh, you know, what's the, what's the, the, the over overarching theme of, uh, of Dark Knight Three then?
2: Over to you, Captain.
0: <laughs> well, once the,
3: um, you know, once all those other characters were introduced, we couldn't put them. You can't put them back in the box. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. they're out there. Yes. So you know, why not? Uh, you know, embrace them. Also, I think we're doing a little rehabilitation of Superman here. Yeah, I, I, you know, I
2: think you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a. Um, sometimes I feel bad about what I did to Superman. <laughs> yeah. You should.
0: You weren't. <laughs> you weren't kind. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you this: What do you want to do next? Me? Yeah, oh. what do you want to do next?
2: Oh, just about everything there is. The, uh, next, I want to return to Sin City. Um, <laughs> um, I've, I've also got the itch to the itch to explore doing more historical work along the lines of 300. Um, the, uh, that in particular is what I got in mind. I also would like to revisit some of the, some of those old toys again. I'm just not sure which ones or when.
0: Some of the DCU toys? Yeah. Okay. It'd be nice to get a little bit of applause for you know, him visiting the
2: DCU. I've got a Superman story in me that I'm dying to do. It would, it would, be, it would be a World War II story. And Ooh. the visual be, visuals would be inspired by the Max Fleischer cartoons. And it would also it would also reexamine superman 's Jewish origins. <laughs> Not a joke. Wow. Jerry Siegel, Joe Shuster.
0: Well, we know what the headline in tomorrow 's news is going to be then. <laughs> you know we have a few minutes left. If anybody has any questions, we have mics on uh, on both sides i 'm um, um, running a little long, so uh, um, but I do want to get some questions. So you over on the left. Yeah. Yep, it's on. Go ahead. Uh, hey, I just wanted to ask
1: about your experiences with Hollywood, Frank. I, I know you, uh, Robocop 2, Robocop 3, all the way to uh, Sin City. Yeah. Uh, how, I know Robert Rodriguez had to, like, hassle you to get Sin City made, so. Yeah, what do
2: you think about Oh, I, I, was, I was a real pain in the butt with Robert. <laughs> um, I, I was, you know, he called me up and and and, uh, said that he wanted to make a movie out of Sin City, and I was just really crabby with him. Because I'd worked as a screenwriter, and and, um, I was just convinced that I I couldn't get anything through the process. Um, And and, uh, that, you know, Sin City's my baby, I just, you know, I I felt like... Ugly baby. What? What an ugly baby. (laughs) Heck, Brian, you're breaking my heart. uh, But um, Robert showed me how how he worked and and showed me that we could really do it. And, uh, you know, we we set about to do it, and um, it was a magical experience from start to finish.
3: It's still... Best comic book movie. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Hi,
3: Frank. Um, I know at one point you were offered the opportunity to work on Doctor Strange, and mm-hmm. I know it never panned
2: out. Right.
3: Do you regret, I guess, not working on Doctor Strange? And given the opportunity, would you work on that character? And how would you change, influence? What would you put into Doctor Strange?
2: Ah. Uh. Steve Ditko. <laughs> I, I would never do Dr. Strange um, because, because he's been done to perfection. And I have, I have nothing, no, let me take that back. I have nothing new to bring to it. Um, anybody else might have, might have something, a whole new take that would be completely fresh and new. It's not, just not in me.
3: Okay, so no regrets whatsoever then, not gain that opportunity.
2: Boy, everybody wants to know what you regret, man. <laughs> I'm Edith, I'm Edith Piaf. I regret nothing.
1: <laughs> hey, Frank, I want to say I'm a big fan of your character, Electra Nachios. Thank you. I think you were, she's a great superhero and a great addition to the Marvel. Um, I read somewhere online that you weren't crazy about the way Electra was Developed in the second season of the Netflix series Daredevil. I'm not sure if that's true If it is what would you change about the character because she looks like the Frank Miller Electra that you created, but she didn't quite seem like she acted like the Frank Miller Electra that you created
2: Well, you, you know re- Reading things online You know <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's, it's you know it's kind of like like hearing a voice in a cup with a string on it. Um, the the uh, uh, I haven't seen the series. So he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm I haven't seen the series precisely because I might say something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. All right, thanks.
0: It's you on bet. Netflix. uh,
2: Frank, my question is, I read a long time ago about a collaboration with Bill Sankovich called Drop Dead. Do you happen to, I don't ever remember reading what it was going to
3: be
1: about or anything like that. If you could give any indication if that was a true collaboration idea or or if you knew what it was going to be about.
2: No, if Bill and I had planned on doing something, you'd have seen it by now. Oh, okay. But but uh, no, we never had any project by that name planned whatsoever.
0: Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what are you guys reading? Yeah, did you read about that online? <laughs> <laughs> it was online. <laughs> of course it was online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there a question over here?
2: Out of all the artists you've got to work with to see your story get put to life, which would you say is your favorite artist? I wouldn't. I've only worked with friends, and I would I would never be so rude. But thanks for the question. I, I just couldn't answer that question.
0: You stumped the master. You stumped yeah. the master. ahead right over here. How's it going?
1: Um, I
2: was watching the animated series last night for like the first time ever, like finishing season like four or whatever the like gold disc. Um, on the episode like Legends of Dark Knight. If they take back
1: um, and they like recall stories of like Batman and what they think he is. Yeah, and what yeah. those years from Dark Knight, did you pitch that idea? Or did they just be like, they they just like do it and we're just like, we want a homage to like that because that's an amazing story. Well,
2: um, I'm friends with Paul Dini and Bruce Timm, the masterminds behind yeah. the series. And they dropped that, uh, they dropped a uh, disc of that on my lap as a Christmas present it was a complete surprise they did a wonderful job yeah, they did so amazing because I've seen the new animated and I was literally just watching this last night it came up and I'm just like oh that's so cool I also like say that like I feel like you literally invented hipsters with that Robin like back in the day because <laughs> like I thought that movie was new and I was new to this story this year so like I'm watching it and I realize it's 30 years old and I'm just like he
0: invented hipsters that's amazing <laughs> Thank so, <you>. that's, <laughs> that's, so, that's, that's something
2: excellent. you should regret yeah.
0: do you regret that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I regret nothing.
0: We got a question over here?
1: Uh, this is a question for both Frank and Brian. Is there any advice that you guys would give to new writers working in comics these days? From Don't.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget what the word no means because you're going to hear it a lot. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Just keep at it. Write every day. Writing, it, it's a muscle, man. You've got to exercise. And
2: it. I, I recommend a book by E.B. White called The Elements of Style that will teach you okay. as much about writing as you'll find anywhere. Thank you so much.
0: I think it's Rule 19. That's omit needless words. They, they, they taught us that in school. That one.
1: Hey, Frank. I'm a 30-year military vet, and I want to say Sir. thank you for your uh, artwork and your... Uh, drawings, and I, I, I grew up with your stuff live as it hit the shelves, and I appreciate it. And I took it everywhere I went when I had time down. I wanted to read your stuff, and it kept me grounded, so thank you. My question to you is uh, Dark Knight 2. There's one scene that's always bothered me.
3: Huh? Just,
1: one? You, just, one? <laughs> just one? Just one. Just one. You didn't do your job. When Batman appears as a hologram to Superman, giving him shit, say, you work for me now. Yeah. You drew him different, Batman himself, than anywhere else in the comic. It was almost yeah. back towards Dark Knight, uh, the returns. Mm-hmm. Did you do that intentionally for some reason? Because it always made me think, like, why did he change the stuff for that particular
2: scene? Well, we, we, what we did there was, was, um, um, and Lynn Varley was coloring it on the computer at the time, um, and deliberately um, made the image more distorted on the computer. Um, and, and she pixelated it a bit so that it would look like a hologram. Um, so you know, that's the best answer I got about that.
1: Yeah. Okay, but I meant that the actual drawing you, that you did yeah. looked like Dark Knight Returns more than the style you were going for in Saw. So it was not a subliminal thing then for you. you didn't really yeah,
2: it must have been, yeah. Okay, thank you. Been, you bet, thank you. Over there. For
3: uh, Frank, have you said everything that, as a writer, that you want to say about Batman at this point, or do you think you ever will?
0: Please say no.
2: <laughs> Hell no. Um, <laughs> the 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 best comparison I've used a number of times to um, I can make about Batman is that he's, he really is like a diamond. You can bounce him against the ceiling and throw him through a rotary fan and you just can't break him. There's always a, some new trick to play with him, some new situation to put him in. I've never made use of Batman as an escape artist, for instance. Ooh. Um, there's, there's, there, that's just one example of, 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 the, uh, you know, of the things that could be done with him. After I, I did Dark Knight, I bounced back and, and, and wrote Year One, based on story notes I had just, just, to, just to get me ready to do Dark Knight. Um, And there always seems to be be more about that character. Like Superman, he's just rich beyond belief. That's why they've they've lasted so long and kept their audience. A lot of these characters just wither on the vine. You really don't see a lot of reincarnations of the hawk and the dove, for instance.
0: (laughs) Okay, we got, uh, we're up against time limit. We got time for one last question. So over there, let's make sure you have a good one. I believe it's a
3: good one. Okay, good. Okay. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> you talked about doing more historical stories for the future. How much time do you take when you're doing your researchings? Like, for example, 300. Yeah. How much time did you take to fully research that piece before putting ink to pen? Same for you, Brian. What would, how much time do you take when you're doing your historical pieces to do the full research? Well, you gotta do the research, because if, I think, especially with historical stuff, because if it, if it comes off like you don't know what you're talking about, that's, you, you can smell that, man, yeah. you know? Yeah. You really gotta, but then, at the same
2: time, you can't be too beholden to it, because it gets kinda oh, dull. if I dressed up the Spartans like they really dressed up,
0: <laughs> Oh, and,
2: and, and had to move like they really had to move, you, you would've been asleep by page two. Those battles were slow and grueling and gruesome. I, I, I made them run around pretty much naked and just kept the helmets and the capes. These guys were covered in body armor, and they, they're, and they wore leather skirts. Um, and they, they, but so, so you have to take liberties right and left. As far, as far as the researching goes, I would just do more of it, but I would feel freer to, to ignore it um, because it's it's a um, I, I'm I'm not a teacher. The, the best thing three hundred could accomplish along those lines was, would be to would be to get somebody excited about learning what the reality is.
3: Right, and to see everything that you did wrong. Oh yeah, and then you know? you tell me about it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but
3: but that's you know that's the point that like you if uh, you know it, you can't. You can't be a ja- uh, you can't play jazz unless you know how to play music. Yeah, you know you got to be classically trained, and then you learn how to improvise. Wonderful. Thank, thank you. That's a good way to put Your it. Your question was good. Yes,
0: it was a good goes. question. <laughs> <laughs> one uh, one quick reminder: um, Frank and the uh, the gang are going to be signing um, in the in G Hall at three o'clock this afternoon. Um, if uh, that, that's one last chance for, for signing. Um, but that's all the time we have, so can I get, please, a big round of applause for Frank and Brian? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all so much.